management and mental health are so important in any profession. But supply chain professionals deal with so much on a daily basis that I think it is even more important, but we just don't talk about it. In my last episode, Graham, our resident expert from Border Buddy, joined me to talk about this very topic. And this is an episode to check out if you need some tools to help you navigate. So make sure to go and check that episode out. That's letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 50. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. First, a word from our sponsor, Border Buddy. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has created a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce shopping cart, like Shopify, Magento, eBay, and others, allowing you ease and peace of mind when selling to customers in North America. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from your door to theirs in real time. We're the first API-based custom solution. Just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at bordermoney.com forward slash Let's Talk Supply Chain. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. In my new Woman in Supply Chain blog series, February is all about Michelle Cully, CEO of Expressman Trucking and Courier, and her journey from an abusive relationship to CEO of a multi-million dollar enterprise. In her new book, High Heels in the Laundry Room, and in my new blog, she reveals how she found her voice and faced her fears. Check it out now at letstalksupplychain.com under blog. Also, go to YouTube, subscribe to my new YouTube channel called BSC, Supply Chain TV. My first video series is about to come out and you're not going to want to miss that one. It's all about data and we're going to give you actionable takeaways that you can put into action right away. So today I'm talking to one of the leaders in supply chain transformation. But before we get to that, let's talk about the question of the week in Listener's Corner. So the question comes from Steve from Washington. Are economic downturns good or bad times to optimize supply chain processes, networks, nodes, costs, and technology? Why or why not? Over on my personal LinkedIn, Timothy Dooner weighed in and said the answer is now. Now is a good time to begin supply chain optimization. And I went back and said, agreed, but where do you start if you don't have the capital? And he said, you don't need fancy technology to make internal process improvements or to make sure that your freight is routed properly. Jill Clifford also weighed in on that conversation and said, now, now, now. Over on the Let's Talk LinkedIn, Brian Glick weighed in and he said, 
They're a great time. Focus on projects with low capital costs and quick ROIs as your leaders will be in cost saving mode. And I will have more of his answer over on the listeners corner page at letstalksupplychain.com. But quickly on Instagram, Thomas the Doubter, he came back and said, a great time assuming the company has saved up for the downturn. Great time to implement new software too. So if you want to get in on the conversation, remember to follow my Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page or send your questions to listener at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also get in on the conversation over at Twitter and Instagram as well. And for all of the highlights for past questions, everything to do with Listener's Corner, go to letstalksupplychain.com and um, go to Listener's Corner. So now let's get to the episode, Transforming Your Supply Chain for the Digital Economy with Richard of SAP. Richard Howells has been working in the supply chain management and manufacturing space for over 20 years. He is responsible for driving the market direction and positioning of SAP's supply chain management solutions. Prior to joining SAP in 2004, he spent 15 years with Markham Solutions as VP of Marketing for the company's process R. ERP solutions. He has also implemented ERP and SCM systems at companies such as Nestle, Gillette, Colgate, Palmolive, Roman Haas, Wythe, Royal Worcester Spode, and Dairy Crest. Richard holds a Bachelor of Science degree in computer science from the University of Mid Glamorgan in the UK. So welcome to the show, Richard. Thanks very much. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to have you on the show today because SAP is a large innovator in supply chain, and I am really looking forward to my community getting to know you, Richard, as well as the SAP brand better. So why don't you tell us about SAP? What do you do and who, like, what is the SAP brand? Okay, well, SAP is probably the largest enterprise software provider in the world and very well known uh, globally with a global brand recognition. We've been around for 40 plus years and started off as an ERP company, but we're much more than just an ERP company. And in fact, from a supply chain perspective, we have the largest uh, customer base of supply chain uh, companies in the world. So a very big player in the supply chain space as well as the enterprise ERP space. I love that. And that's a really great explanation. Um, You know, really brief and and but able to share with people who you are and what your brand is all about. And I know that SAP is talking about the digital economy a lot. So in your own words, how would you define the digital economy? And would you say that we have already been living in a digital economy for some time now? Well, when we think about the digital economy, it's all about the, the customer and the customer's in control. They have access to information and data like like never before. They, they, they can identify the best product and the best price almost instantly at their fingertips. And more than ever, they want it now. So the digital economy is all about um, providing better service to your consumers and working with them digitally, not just digi- not only digitizing the products that you sell, but digitizing the process. And it's, and it's really the perfect storm of two things coming together. It's customer empowerment, where the customer has unparalleled levels of information, But it's also the intelligent technologies such as the Internet of Things and artificial intelligence and machine learning that uh, you can bring together to better serve those customers and digitize the process. And I I think that the digital economy has has been around for a while, 
and it's here to stay. It's everywhere. I mean, there's many, many. It's affecting many different industries. Um, consumer products companies are are really looking to digitize their business to get closer to the end consumer and miss out the middleman in some cases and miss out the retailers and sell direct to customers. Retailers are are, are are looking to provide better service and getting to one hour delivery in cities, for example, and they need to digitize their processes and, and drive better logistics processes. So they're moving into the logistics game. And logistics service providers are, are making themselves relevant through digitization as well. Uh, we're working with companies that are uh, logistics companies who are leveraging 3D printing, for example, as an enabler to uh, move into manufacturing and add value at the, at the, in the last mile of delivery. So all of these things are, are, are examples of digitization. And as I say, it's, it's been around for a while and I think it's here to stay. Yeah, and we're really, you know, changing industries on their heads um, with, you know, this digital economy. And I think that people are still trying to wrap their heads around what that really means, not only in their industry, what it means for their particular business, and what that means for them personally as well, because it's not only affecting our business lives, it's affecting our personal lives as well. And so I want to know from you, you know, what do you think is the next step in the evolution of the digital economy? It's really um, the automation of of developing smarter products and smarter assets and leveraging those those things to provide better information and better value to the business and to the consumer. It's using Internet of Things technologies and building those into the products that, that we bring to market and having that closed loop back from the, the data that's provided there back into the business systems and also providing value-added service. If I'm a, um, a consumer now and I'm, I'm buying baby food, I want, to look, I want to be able to scan a barcode and see where that baby food was manufactured, for example, and which uh, which where the materials came from, the raw materials came from that goes into the food. So I want I, I want to provide more service, more value to my consumers as a as a manufacturer, and that's expected by the consumer as well. Oh, it absolutely is. Hasn't that expectation from the consumer gone almost from zero to hundred in no time? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give a, an actual example. My son's a basketball player and he went online before the, two weeks before the start of the basketball season a year or so ago. And he wanted a custom, pair of customized sneakers, a pair of sneakers that were individual to him. He had, it had the color of, the, of his team, his number on and his name on. And he went online and he placed that order in, in 10 minutes. And then it came back and said six weeks for delivery. And that was the end of the order. He, what's, he, he wasn't going to place the order because that would be halfway through his basketball season. And the whole key is here, we, we, we live in a digital world with omni-channel sales and customers like my son expect to be able to place an order, a customized order in minutes, but they expect to deliver on that promise as well. And if, if there's no point in sales and marketing delivering, uh, uh, making the promise if, if the supply chain of your business can't deliver on that promise. That's absolutely right. And, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I think you also brought that 3D printing example um, up when we were talking about the, you know, the digital economy, because every the the new generations, the younger generations want that customized feel. They want something that is genuine to them. 
you know, they're all looking at themselves as a brand, not like we used to. We don't, we, that wasn't even, didn't even cross our minds. I don't know about you, but it didn't even cross my mind when I was their age. Um, but those are the types of things that these new buyers are looking for and they're thinking about when they put in a purchase. So, um, I know that SAP also talks a lot about industry 4.0. Can you tell me in your own words, how would you define that? What, what exactly is that? Well, Industry 4.0, or it's sometimes known as the fourth industrial revolution, is really around the digitization and automation, specifically in most cases around the manufacturing intensive industries. And it brings to, it's brought together by three different factors. Uh, technologies that are available now to automate and to provide better data, business systems that can leverage and respond to that, and the business processes that can be adapted and adjusted to meet those changing demands. So when we talk about technologies, the the Internet of Things enables us to build smarter assets and smarter products, as I mentioned before. And that means we can put real-time sensors and, and microchips on, on the tools and machines and products in a manufacturing facility. And thus we get um, smarter manufacturing plants, which are able to, to move from continuous production lines to smart manufacturing cells, to be able to produce different products on the same production lines, to provide better customer service and be responsive to change. And the business systems that enable that have to be able to leverage the big data that the Internet of Things and sentiment analysis and social media generate and turn that into smarter and predictive business decisions. And we have to be able to then have the, the tools to be able to change the business processes. If I want to deliver those individualized sneakers that I mentioned earlier, I can't just do that with the same um, supply chain processes that I had in the past where I was shipping box loads and, and, and pallets full of the same sneakers to a retail store. I need to be able to, to break that push-pull boundary of the supply chain so that I can manufacture to a certain point and then customize and individualize at the, at another, at, at, uh, later in the manufacturing process, the closer I get to the customer. And that's a change in business processes. So we're seeing the in industry 4.0 really providing capabilities for companies to differentiate themselves in the market. Absolutely. And you hit on a really key point there, which was responsiveness to change. And I think that should be the mantra for everybody in supply chain. I know that I've said this before on a past episode that the knowledge base right now is changing every 1.5 years. And just imagine what that's going to look like in the near future for all of us, because it's just going to get that much faster. And so I believe that the, the companies that are the most responsive to change and that they they put in business processes and supply chain planning around that key phrase, responsiveness to change, are the ones that are going to win. And it sounds like, you know, SAP can really help them with that. So in saying that, I want to get to know a little bit more about the companies that you work with. So what types of companies does SAP work with? And at what stage of development do you believe a company is able to make the most out of a partnership with SAP? Well, SAP works with companies of all shapes and sizes in all industries, in all geographies, and have done for the, the past four decades. We have over 400,000 400, customers in, in almost every country in the world. And it spans from very large companies, 92% of the Forbes Global 2000 are SAP customers, but then 80% of our customers are, are small to medium-sized businesses. So there's no one perfect fit or type of company. The key is that they all face similar challenges. 
it, regardless of the size, regardless of the industry, their ultimate goal is to delight the customer, to win that customer, to maintain that customer, to keep that customer. And the digital supply chain and digitization is right in the middle of enabling that. And uh, so, and the, the ones, the right companies are the ones that to work with SAP are the ones that are ready to embrace that change, to, um, to both optimize their current business processes, but also uh, put plans in place to reimagine and re-engineer their new business processes and new ways to market and new ways to, to better serve the customer. Great. But I imagine for a small to medium-sized business, um, considering that you do work with so many large companies, um, they might not actually even consider the fact that SAP would work with them. Do you work with them differently, obviously, than from your enterprise customers? There are many different ways to engage with SAP. I mean, from a software standpoint, there are different solutions that uh, that, that are required uh, for larger enterprises with more complex supply chain challenges, for example. And we have a, a, a myriad of partners who work with all different size companies. Whether So SAP do our own implementations, but we also have a large ecosystem of partners that specialize in certain industries or special certain geographies and also in certain size companies and implementations. Okay, I like that. I like that because, um, you know, now a small to medium sized company can visualize how they can work with you. So and the other thing is the Internet of Things really hides, hides the size of the company. If you have a, an, an Internet presence and I, I could be placing an order with a, a, a single person organization or a multi-million dollar organization. I don't know when I'm placing that order via, via the Internet, via omnichannel sales. That's, you know, that's a really great point. Um, the internet really does sort of, you know, hide that fact or even expand on that fact. You could look like a larger business um, than you actually are as well. So, so that is a really good point. Um, let's talk about a customer um, that you have, that you believe has fully capitalized on SAP's solutions for operating within a digital economy. Can you Talk to us a little bit about how they have maximized their customer touch points and minimized their pain points. Well, I, I've got several examples of customers, actually. So rather than specifically talk about one, maybe I can elaborate on um, where we're seeing customers gaining benefits from a supply chain perspective. Because there's three things that we see driving um, driving many companies now and, and requirements to digitize their process. And it's around customer centricity. So centering everything you do around the customer, total visibility of having visibility of everything that's going on in your supply chain so you can be more responsive, and then uh, business innovation and reimagining business processes. So I've got, a few, I'll, I've got a few examples around those areas. So for example, when we talk about customer centricity, um, we've got companies now, who, you can't just rely on the sales forecast anymore to get a view of customer demand. You've got to have a 360 view of demand, taking into account sentiment analysis and point of sales information and social media to get a full holistic view of demand. We've got co companies that take into account not just the sales forecast, but the weather forecast, because that can affect demand at a certain region at a certain point of time. And if you take retail companies, for example, I mean, we work with a, a large retail companies who change, who based on that demand sensing, change their, their, the inventory in their warehouse every, every month. They've got to completely re, redesign and rethink and, and bring to market new products based on that changing customer demand. So that's an example from the retail industry. 
I gave a sneaker example before about um, delivering a customer experience because you, you've got to deliver a great product experience to deliver a great customer experience. And when we talk about um, sustainability is another area where we've had great uh, re requests for customers to drive sustainable business processes. And that goes all the way from designing products that are biodegradable and, and environmentally sustainable, sourcing ethical products. And there was some, some news in, in the last few weeks about uh, ethically sourced products and or unethically sourced products and the effect that has on, on the supply chain and the the impact on the companies that 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 uh, are using those practices. So it's all the way through from designing a product to how it's operated in the real environment. We see total visibility as, as a key driver as well. And total visibility means that companies want to move from reactive to predictive analytics, for, for example. I mean, uh, a lot of our large asset intensive uh, and asset uh, manufacturing companies are moving from um, reactive maintenance of those assets to predictive or even prescriptive maintenance. They want to be able to fix a machine before it breaks down to improve customer service, to improve customer satisfaction. Logistics companies that we work with want total visibility across the supply chain so that they, so that they can see which orders are on time, which ones are being delivered late or look like they're going to be delivered late so that they can change the plan. They can reroute other deliveries to that customer if it's a strategic customer to, again, prove customer service. So all of these things are around total visibility. And finally, we talk about uh, moving uh, from around uh, innovation and business innovation. And we're seeing companies, uh, we, we've got a large um, manufacturer of, um, of compressive, a compressor manufacturer. And they've moved from selling compressors to selling cubic feet of compressed air or cubic meters of compressed air. They're selling a service and they're selling an outcome rather than selling a product, which means that they have to change the way that they design those compressors because they have to put sensors on so that they can actually see when it's working, when it isn't working, the throughput of that particular particular uh, piece of equipment. But also if it's look, it looked like it's trending to break down, because if it breaks down, nobody makes any money. So it's, it's a way of uh, providing better customer service providing uh, by leveraging the technologies and the solutions to drive new business models and new business processes. So there's, there are so many different examples of customers getting benefits in every different industry. And again, either it's usually around customer centricity, it's around improving visibility across the supply chain, and it's about providing new services and business innovation uh, through technology and solutions that can adapt to change. Those are amazing examples. And I think you touched on points of the supply chain that everybody can relate to. And I appreciate that because at the end of the day, you're talking about, you're, you're one of the only ones that are talking about social media and how that's impacting retail and how that's impacting the supply chain. You're talking about weather forecasting in demand. And you're talking about embracing change so much so that you're changing the inventory on a month-to-month -month basis. You know, you're talking about important things like sustainability, which are not only important to the next generation of supply chain professionals, but it's also important to the next generation of consumers. And then the visibility component um, 
one thing that I really thought of when you were talking about the logistics providers and the visibility and the length that they're taking this to is that I want people to pay attention to these examples because people are already doing that today. So if you're not thinking about it, if you're not putting it into plan, if you're not doing that today, think about your business tomorrow because your competitors and other people in this industry are already making drastic, drastic changes. And so that was just one point that I wanted to make with those incredible examples that um, that you gave. And you're totally on point, you know, touching every every part of, of supply chain in, in what you said there. So let's talk about some of the results then um, that a company could expect to see after they partner with you. What kinds of tangible results could they see? Okay, so I mean, when we talk, first of all, when we talk about our digital supply chain strategy, we're talking about everything from designing the product, so the R and D processes, uh, through the um, planning of 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 manufacturing and and supply and demand, the um, manufacturing process themselves, the logistics and delivery processes, all the way through the operation of the of the products and assets in the field. So there's a bright a wide breadth of um, of opportunities there for improvements, whether it be uh, uh, bringing product products to market faster from an R and D standpoint, and also having higher success rates for bringing those products to market faster by leveraging information and feedback loops from your customers uh, in the field. When we're talking about the manufacturing and uh, logistics part, it's all about reducing inventory, uh, a better utilization of assets and equipment both manufacturing assets and logistics assets, and improving um, or uh, 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 speeding up the, um, the inventory turns within your supply chain. And that ultimately moves up, I mean, and, and supply chains historically have been identified as cost-reducing areas of the business. And we still want to reduce costs wherever possible. But we also want to improve customer service. We want to improve the perfect order rating and ultimately improve customer service, customer satisfaction, and turn supply chains not only from cost reduction to revenue generating areas of the business. And, and now's the time, I believe, to do that because we have the technologies and solutions available to us as supply chain pract practitioners to actually differentiate ourselves within your organization and within the market. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think that you also bring up another great point is we're always talking about reducing cost. But what if we change that mindset, which I think is, which I think is the challenge that we're having around some of this digital and digital economy and things like that, change it to increase customer spend. Because that's what you're going to get when your customer experience goes up. And your customer experience is the result of every single touch point of that supply chain. Correct. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's really, I think the, the, the role of the chief supply chain officer is becoming much more strategic. We're seeing more and more chief supply chain officers becoming the CEOs, getting that corner office because supply chains are where, where it's happening as far as the opportunities. It's, it's touching, it's, it's, it's driving the processes that go through the supply chain are responsible for a very large percentage of the revenue of a company. And if we can optimize those and improve those and find new ways of doing business through our supply chain processes, then we run a better company as a, as a whole. And thus, the, I see the supply chain officer's job becoming much more 
much more pivotal pivotal in the organization. Yes, I agree with you on that. So let's go back to um, working with SAP. What's involved in your onboarding process? What does that look like? Oh, it depends on on which products you're you're talking about. I mean, uh, when we when we get to the the cloud solutions, which is where the business is going, onboarding becomes much uh, faster, much simpler, and we're getting companies implementing our integrated business planning solution, for example, in weeks or months rather than rather than multiple months or years. So the onboarding th- with cloud sol- solutions becomes much easier and much more affordable and uh, and faster. Great. The much more affordable is is a is a good part of that. Um, and then my last question on that really is: Do you have a try before you buy program? And I ask that because a lot of times companies are hesitant with technology companies because they sometimes they don't quite understand what they're getting into um, or what what sort of the process is, and there's a bit of you know buyer's hesitation on that side. Uh, from a supply chain perspective, we don't really have a try before you buy approach but with the cloud solutions the 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 risk the cost and risk is much lower the entry level is much lower so that's uh, that has um, alleviated the need for that type of of approach from when we're talking about uh, large companies and and large expenditures okay perfect perfect so now we're going to get into the future I would like to hear from you as a fellow supply chain professional. You know, you've been in the industry for a while. And uh, again, we're talking about change. We're talking about where things are going. So what are your predictions for the supply chain industry in 2019? It's quite lucky that you've asked that because uh, two weeks ago, I had an article published on Forbes about my predictions for supply chain in 2019. So I, 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 I basically came up with a top 10 and I think the first one is all around global uncertainty and how that is going to affect the supply chain, whether we're talking about Brexit, whether we're, going to, we're talking about the, uh, the um, uh, elections in certain countries, whether we're talking about rising oil prices or tariffs. All of that is going to have an impact on the supply chains and how we respond to that and how quickly we respond to that is, a, is going to be a key um, make or break for many companies. I think. Climate change uh, is going to continue to drive innovation. People want to buy from sustainable companies. They want to buy ethical products. And Nielsen reports have shown that 66% of customers are prepared to pay more for sustainable goods. So it's not just good for the environment. It's sometimes good for the bottom line as well. Uh, The third one I I highlighted is that the BRICS countries will become more strategic to business because they are, although their, their growth has slowed down, they are growing much faster than the rest of the world. So making decisions around how you supply from those countries, but also how you deliver to those countries, whether you have local manufacturing facilities, whether you import and export from those countries and so on. Um, The the role of the online retailer is not going to get any less. I mean, Amazon owns about 50% of the e-commerce market in the US, and I don't see that changing. Alibaba, the same in in China. So online retailers are still going to drive and make, make other industries change the way that they do business. And as I mentioned before, I think supply chain will become a revenue generator in 2019, or, or you'll see more opportunities for generating revenue through supply chain processes. And as a result, that role of that supply chain, chief supply chain officer will become much more strategic. And then we talk about technologies. There are several technologies I think are going to be highly influential and some that will be 
starting to pave the way to become influential in the future. I think the Internet of Things and machine learning and predictive analytics are here and ready now. We're generating loads of data through the Internet of Things and, and machine learning and predictive anal analytics will are in positions to leverage that data throughout the supply chain to make better decisions, to make smarter decisions, to make more responsive decisions. Another technology that I see starting to appear is blockchain. And I don't think blockchain is going to be the huge breakout uh, technology th th this year, but I think it's going to move from the thousands of consoles that are going on around the globe uh, to, uh, to start demanding we need to see the proof of value of this project. And I think supply chain is one of the areas where there are use cases where blockchain will become relevant, whether it's in tracking and tracing uh, from, from farm to plate, whether it's minimizing the counterfeiting of, of drugs in the pharmaceutical industry, whether it's uh, the, 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 the chain of custody for ethical sourcing, and also the chain of custody around cross-border trading and, and movement of ownership from company to company and country to country. I think there are some great examples where we'll start to see uh, some value being gained from blockchain. I mentioned 3D printing a little earlier, and I think that's another uh, technology that has huge opportunities. One of the areas that we're seeing it used at the moment is in uh, 3D printing of spare parts for, for, for maintenance purposes. Because if you can 3D print a part in a few hours that, you've, that you only use every three or four years, why would you keep it stock? If you can print it in, time to, in a timely manner, then the speed of that printer will become the, the bottleneck of where, where and what we will 3D print. And it also helps with individualization, as I mentioned earlier. At the, at, at the end of the manufacturing process or even at the start of the logistics process. And the final one that I wanted to highlight was uh, robotic process automation and uh, humans working with robots and robots working with humans, not necessarily replacing uh, the human roles. Certain jobs will be, the, the very repetitive jobs will, and it's already happening, is, uh, is um, replacing humans. But the real, the real benefit I see is when we can augment humans with with artificial intelligence and robotics to improve and give them more make, make enable us as individuals to do more with the data and more with our time because we've we've automated wherever we can and, and we leave the decisions where it needs some human interaction that's the time to jump in with the with the uh, with the employees and the, and the human element so working together with robotics i think is another major uh, prediction in uh, 2019 yeah, and the humans bring that creativity element as well that I think is very important. So I like the fact that you emphasized that humans will be working with robots. Um, and the other, the other element was the blockchain. And I'm, I'm really glad that you elaborated on where you see it actually working. Because um, so many times, I believe in some of the conversations that I've had on the supply chain side, or even the logistics side when it comes to blockchain, is that we're still very much siloed. And blockchain is a very collaborative community. I also think that we've got to not fall into the trap of uh, having a technology looking for a problem to solve. You've always got to solve with a business problem and which technologies help solve that problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I really like how you touched on where it's actually going to be making that change, um, at least initially. Right. I mean, everybody is is probably going to get on board at some point or another. Um, it just depends on how long it takes the different parts of the industry, really. Um, so lastly, why don't you talk about the future for SAP? What's next for SAP digital supply chain? And which emerging technologies do you see shaping the future of commerce and how? 
Okay. So um, our, our major focus at, at SAP over the next few months is, and, and, and has been for a while, is that the end-to-end -end supply chain process, from design to operate, from designing a, a product or an asset right through the planning, manufacturing, logistics, and operation in the field, and, and ultimately the maintenance of, of that product in, product in usage. And driving those end-to-end -end processes from a software standpoint puts SAP in quite a unique situation because we have that breadth of, of uh, knowledge, industry expertise, and also the solutions that can work from design to operate. Um, so one company that can deliver all of that is, is, is almost unheard of in the, in, the, in the software industry. The technologies that help enable that, um, there, are, there are five or six technologies, and not one, of, not one of them by itself is the answer. It's when they work together, as I said earlier, to solve a business problem is the key. Internet of Things, and along with social media and sentiment analysis, is generating enormous amounts of data. So we have unheard of amounts of big data. Uh, we could be drowning in data lakes if we're not careful. But the key is to put that da data is no use unless you put it in the business context and the role-based business context. I may look at the same set of data as a production manager, as the person, as the person in uh, logistics, but I need it at a different level of granularity or I need a different slice of that data. So putting the data in the business context and the job context is critical and the granularity for that particular job. I see machine learning, artificial intelligence, and predictive analytics as the tools that can really leverage that data, to turn that data into information, to make that data smarter, to make the processes smarter, run better, more predictive uh, by leveraging real-time information. And then blockchain really is, is a technology that can help secure that data and, uh, and ensure the, the providence of that data. Uh, of of the, of the of the security of that data and and the the quality of that data. So the real challenge is ident when you've got a business problem, which technologies will help me solve that problem and which business solutions help me solve that problem? And the answer is just one of them in any in almost every case. It's 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 identifying and and having a a methodology to bring the right stuff to, uh, content together to solve that business problem. So that's where the technologies fit in, I think. They play a vital role, especially in a digital world where data is, is power. But turning data into information and leveraging that across the business processes is the key. Yeah, and knowing what companies are out there that can hurt, that can help you with um, certain business challenges that you have. And hopefully we won't be drowning too, too much in data, but I can see how that can definitely happen. So how are you preparing your supply chain for the digital economy? Maybe SAP could be the right partner to help you strategize for your success. So for more information about Richard, SAP, and this episode, go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash 50 episode 51 or go to sap.com. I want to thank the team at Pan Communications and SAP for making this interview happen. And Richard, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your insights.
If you liked this episode, make sure and go to the podcast page at letstalksupplychain.com to check out the other episodes in season one and season two. Next week, I am speaking with Warren of Olivan SCM about why it is so important for your not only your business, but your bottom line to have your supply chain teams and your marketing teams come together. You're not going to want to miss that one. So make sure and go and check that one out once it is available. Um, to support the show, there's a few ways that you can do that. I'm actually launching my new series called the SC on YouTube. Go and check that out on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel and go and check out my newest video series. Rate and review the show on iTunes and Stitcher so other people can find the show. I have a supply chain dictionary over at shop on letstalksupplychain.com. That is 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions. Um, plus, follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. I uh, post a supply chain question every single Wednesday and some of the conversations you're not going to want to miss. You're going to want to make sure that you check it out and be a part of those conversations. And lastly, ships.com, S-H-I-P-Z.com. Go and sign up. Put your information in there and you're going to be one of the first to know once we are ready to let you know what we are working on. And that is our online transportation platform uh, that is going to be epic. But anyways, it's up to you. Go and put in your information. So thank you all for your love and support and have an amazing day. And remember, everybody, ship happens.